Greetings, troubled listeners. Welcome back to the Troubled Men podcast. I am Renee Komen, sitting once again in Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge with my co-host, the original troubled man for troubled times and future mayor of New Orleans, Mr. Manny Chevrolet. Welcome, Manny. Hey, man. What's going on? Uh, well, here we are uh, a couple of days into the Lenten season, Manny. Lenten season, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it's a, yeah it, it always has to be a season in this town. You well, can't, sure. You, you can't have just you know, a regular day or a week. It's got to be a season. <laughs> yeah, try, to make a, you know. try to make some kind of uh, something special out of it. You know, yeah. every day can be special. Yeah. Well, but before it was Lent... It was Mardi Gras, yeah, and we actually had a a first for the for the the Troubled Men podcast. Uh, you and I attended a party to get, I mean, a, a parade together. That's true. We were Crazy. well. I I only went to the parade because the person who invited us locked their doors, so I couldn't get into their house. So I had to wait at the parade until they opened the doors. Right. You didn't know that I was going to be there. We were, we weren't meeting uh, there. No, no, we were right. not meeting there, uh, and it was. Um, you know, that's the one uh, parade uh, that's in my neighborhood, kind of. I can walk to it. I don't have to deal with parking or anything like that. Right. And, um, but yeah, that was, uh, it was okay. Uh, it just seemed like, you know, a lot, a lot of people out there, you know. Yes. And, uh, but yeah, then uh, finally the person hosting the event, uh, you know, uh, showed up at her house and opened the doors and fed us. <laughs> right, fed yeah, us, and yeah, uh, they, yeah. she had a, a vat of vodka, a which vat you of vodka requested. That, and well, yeah, we had that, uh, but it seemed like we were having trouble with the ice. <laughs> was there an ice problem there? Because you were making the drinks, weren't you? Yeah, I was there? making. Yeah, I think I found some ice. Uh, yeah, ice might have yeah. been a little bit on the short side. Well, there was a bag of ice. That's what it was, and you had to kind of re- dig around, root around in the yeah. freezer for it. And she's a gracious host. Yes, uh, her husband, the, the Carries. Yeah, the Carries. Yeah, yeah. Former Troubled Men podcast guest, yeah. uh, Kerry Grombacher. He was away doing some dates uh, in the West. Yeah, in he his was Western... doing the senior circuit. Well, when I say the senior <laughs> circuit, I mean the senior circuit. <laughs> okay. I, mean... I, I don't know who was there, but, uh, but yes, he well, was. Well, no, his gigs were in the senior circuit. Okay, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. Then apparently he was coming back uh, for, for Mardi Gras. And yes, everybody was out in full force this year. They were so thrilled to be out. Now, uh, oddly enough, I, I got a report from uh, the next day from that party that we had attended. Yeah, I know. I got the same report. Where, where somebody thought we were a couple. Yeah. <laughs> I got this. Well, my wife got the same text. I didn't get that because I don't think she knows my number. But the hostess of the party said that there was. And now I don't know who this person was because I left. We left before you did. Right. We didn't. Yeah. We weren't there too much longer. Yeah. I mean, we left before you did, and then you probably left. And the next morning, uh, I guess it was. I mean, you might know it because I didn't really read it. But my wife said that uh, there was someone at this uh, little party. That thought that we were a couple, <laughs> and a lovely couple. Yeah, that's what. That's, that's what well, I, what a, no, well, I don't know who it was. There was a lot of females I, I, there. I, I don't. I don't know either. Yeah, I was trying to think, and 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 who would have gotten that impression? We were there with that with that guy in in the kitchen, but he knows me. He, he knows met me my too. wife, yeah, so yeah. He, it wasn't him. But there was there was a bunch of females right. in the, in the, the younger, living room, some younger people. younger cats right. there, and stuff. <laughs> now the only thing I can think of is that we were talking together a lot and I was wearing a trench coat so maybe I, I have no idea that had anything to do with it I don't know could well, have been because y'all were holding hands or? well that, that might have that might have been it yeah that might have been it 
<laughs> but I don't know. But I think we were we were arguing over what the, what 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 was the best king cake there. Maybe that was right. Was a well, spat. We, we did have kind of a, an old married couple bickering kind of vibe going. <laughs> well, as you'll see later as the show progresses. Yeah, <laughs> just more of this. Yeah. No, but I thought it was hilarious. So did I. I thought it was really funny, and I didn't know uh, because you. I, I would have thought uh, that the hostess would have just group texted us but she did it individually she did it to my wife and to your wife or yeah. to you I don't know no no I, no, I it was to my wife I, yeah. I never even saw the text I yeah, just I heard, just, heard I the report I, I just heard about it uh, the next day right. but that was right, it right. for me I didn't go I, I didn't do anything after that I know a lot of people were out there on Tuesday doing the shit and stuff and Lundy Gras and stuff right. and Mardi Gras but I saw something funny on um, on Lundy Gras I went and got some tires, some okay. tires for my car, because it's just, you know, people are open, I, and I need some tires right, for yeah. my car. And I don't know if you've done this, and I don't know how old our guest is, but um, have you ever gotten a senior discount? I haven't. Have you tried to get a senior discount? Do you know that we're eligible? Because we're both 58. I'm looking forward to getting them. I'm starting to get hip to the fact that I think over 55. You could go, yeah, 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 yeah. You can get senior. So I went to this place on Carrollton to get tires. Mm-hmm. And, of course, everyone's understaffed, and it's Mardi Gras weekend, so a lot of people are not showing up. You know, they're not, not showing up to work. Right. Um, so the guy says, well, we have your tires in stock, but it's going to take at least two hours to just take off old tires and put on new mm-hmm. tires. I figured, what, fuck it. So I said, I'll go get a bite to eat. And I walked down the street, and there was a, a chain restaurant there on Carrollton. And I went in there, and I told my wife. I, I called her, and I said, well, I got two hours. I got I to gotta get something to eat, you know, kill time. I'm going to eat, maybe uh, read the news on the phone or whatever. And she said, oh, if you're going to that place, get the senior discount. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> said, yeah, last time I went and got tires, I got the senior discount at that restaurant. So I went there, and this restaurant is ill-staffed. Uh-huh. It was an awful experience, but I saved three bucks. Okay. <laughs> the food was like, you know, uh, my daughter could have made it, you know, when she was six huh. you know, years old. She could have made a better meal for me hmm. for, the, for the amount of money I spent. Uh, but, yeah, but now I realize... Oh, uh, you know, we're at that age where we can get these discounts. Well, now, I was going to ask, did they give you a senior discount on the tires? No. Oh, okay. No, that no, that no. would have been the thing. No, yeah. no, no, no. That would have been. <laughs> and tires are fucking expensive. I know, man. I know. They're like 100 bucks a piece or something. I huh? spent $148 a tire. Oh, Jesus. But one was free. They're racing tires, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one was free. There, uh, I was okay. three buy three get one free. Okay, and I get uh, you know forty thousand warrant warranty miles, and I can go in three. No, I can go in six months, and they'll rotate them for me. Oh, which, uh, something know, to look forward to. Something to look forward to, and then I can go to that <laughs> restaurant again. Sure, and get, uh, get the three bucks off my breakfast. Right but, on. Okay. You know the pictures look so great. You know you look at the menu. Go, well, fuck yeah. I'm saving three bucks on this two plus two plus two. Yeah. And it comes back and, you know, the girl now, is goes. Is this kind of an international sort of restaurant, <laughs> Manny? Well, you know, when when Manny uh, dines, he likes to go to the International House of Pancakes. Oh, okay. <laughs> when I dine out, you know, right, I, I like to go to the inter- International House of Pancakes. Right. Yeah, well, you know what I'm talking about. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. And I, the place I got my tires... 
because I had a, I had this coupon for this guy mailed me from some shop near where I live. He mailed me this flyer saying, Mr. Manny, uh, you can get this deal right now on these tires. You'll save yourself $300. So I said, fuck yeah. So I called the, He goes, make an appointment. I called the guy up on Lundy Gras Day, and he goes, I don't have those tires. <laughs> I don't have them. I, I've, never, I've never carried those tires that you need for your car. Wow. So why send me the fucking flyer, yeah, asshole? Yeah. Switch. yeah ex- well, yeah, exactly. He wanted me, you know, I was going to spend $400 for four tires, but then he goes, I don't have these tires, but I have these for $950. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, no, my car's not worth that. <laughs> <laughs> so fuck that. So I went to Manny Mo and Jack. Okay. And I'm sitting there. I waited a half hour just to be seen by somebody to say I want to buy some tires. And while I'm waiting in this lobby area of Manny, Mo and Jack, I'm looking at, uh, they have a sculpture of Manny, Mo and Jack. And 30, 40 years ago, I never thought I looked like Manny. But I look like Manny a lot now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> You're growing into yeah, it. Yeah, I'm growing into Manny. <laughs> so people out there, Google the image, Manny, Mo and Jack, and you'll see what I'm looking like these days. Okay. Especially the glasses. Yeah, yeah, those are those yeah. are those are iconic glasses, man. Yeah, we I I, I posted that picture on on our uh, Troubleman podcast Facebook page uh-huh. that, that we took at the parade. Oh yeah. You're wearing those glasses. It's it's quite a picture. It's a it's a popular post. Is it really? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It's, good. It's a good one. It's a good one. All right. So yeah, you were you went out there for Mardi Gras and I, stuff? I, I, I did. I went down to uh, you know the the Marigny. I was uh, across the street from the R bar about noon. And then kind of walked around the old Cafe Brazil area. Now, you know, me, the last time we did the podcast after Mardi Gras was like the last show before everything got shut down, or one of the last shows. Right. And I remember the last Mardi Gras, you said I was, uh, you know, I, I, you were like looking over your bruises, your Mardi Gras bruises <laughs> right. and stuff. And I didn't, couldn't understand what the fuck he meant by that. But he tried to explain to me like, you know, he fell down a lot. Well, you I don't know, know about a lot. He got pushed down a lot. Yeah, I don't know. He got know. shat on and <sighs> spat on well, and raped uh, and abused. Who can remember then, all well, the I remember. You know, well, uh, so, right. so now this Mardi Gras, did you wake up yesterday and look at your Mardi Gras bruises. And also, I remember the last Mardi Gras that there was, you said you were, your wife bullied you into wearing a costume. <laughs> <laughs> or wearing something. Uh-huh, now, right, did she right. do that this year? Well, there was uh, there was some level of coercion. He really must enjoy Mardi Gras because uh, he gets uh, bruises and he gets bullied. So what well, fun you know, is that? It's, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's it goes, a great holiday for masochists. Well, it, it goes along with my whole theme theme of my life. Um, uh, I was I was not bruised or, or battered this time. I, there was a bit of coercion in the in the uh, the uh, costume department, which we did come up with a, a whole group costume of my family. My my uh, children came with me and my wife. We went down there. We had uh, we were a road destruction crew uh, costume. So it was uh, you know I thought there would be way more of those. That would be a cliche. Road there, there destruction. Was, yeah, you know because all the roads are so we 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 had like uh, you oh know, so it's road destruction, not road construction. Right, right. Oh, That's okay. the twist on it. We spelled crew with a with a K. Right, right, right. right well, okay. that, yeah. yeah. 
That's so, original. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Jeez. <laughs> I know. I, I know. It's very, but it uh, was. It, so it, you planned like six months for that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Let's yeah, put yeah. a K instead of a C. Right. That was most of the of the deliberation. But anyway, uh, so so we were down there. We ran into a few uh, Troubled Men podcast guests. Uh, uh, Chris Champagne. Didn't expect to see him, but there he was out on uh, Royal Street. Was uh, he with that hot Asian chick of his? I, I didn't see him with with anybody. Uh, Maybe he was looking yeah. for, you know, I don't know. Maybe they're they're split up at the moment. Mail order bride. Man. Okay, good, yeah. good for Chris. He he was looking uh, bright eyed and bushy tailed. Also, uh, Michael Dees ran into him, and uh, Michael uh, Dees is dating your sister, isn't he? Well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is what I heard through the grapevine. Well, that is true, but uh, you know, I'm not sure if that's for public dissemination. But sure, your sister's uh, cool. She'll deal with it. Oh yeah, She'll no, no, it, she's. Man. Oh no, no, they're they're a lovely couple. I couldn't be happier. And uh, Scott Ploche was down there too. My old friend Scott Ploche oh. came and made an appearance. So that was nice. And uh, it was beautiful weather. And uh, you know, we were home by six o'clock. It was very civilized. Uh, you know, didn't didn't. Uh, didn't stick around too long to so get any good. bruises. Right, right. Didn't but you beat the hell out of your kids, though, right? Well, that was you know, part they, of the they, deal. They, they, had had their, they had it coming. They had it coming, right? <laughs> well, you know, I found. You know, what's funny because you know, me and the wife didn't go out at all except for that night you saw us. But my daughter, who's seventeen, she uh, went out to a lot of the night parades, but she hates in Damien, so she didn't go out for that. Um, but we found out <laughs> next year's Mardi Gras is February 21st, which is her birthday. Okay. And she turns 18. Oh, all right. Oh. <laughs> so I might have to, like, we'll, we'll, we'll go look at colleges or something that week. I don't right, know. right, right, right. You know. Something constructive. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But she doesn't like to go out on Mardi Gras Day. She ha- she hung low with her boyfriend and stuff. Okay. Because he, he doesn't really care for parades either. But you know what I did on Mardi Gras Day? Because... I sat around the house watching some movies and stuff, some sports, and um, I went to the EDL market uh, on Broad, which is that Hispanic market. Oh, huh. Um, and there's a bunch of them around town. Um, and I'm waiting in line, and you go to these Hispanic markets, and they always have a Western Union there because these poor people are sending money back to their families right. back in the third world countries that right. they're from. And that's all cool. I'm, I'm down with that. Um, but I'm waiting in line because they have two checkouts and then they have the Western Union line. But there's really no, no dividers on which line you're in. So I'm waiting in the long line. And I'm waiting there. I'm sitting there. Getting, I got some, uh, some chiles and some salsa and stuff like that because I was going to make a certain dish. And, <laughs> and the, the aisle that I'm in is all the feminine hygiene products. Mm-hmm. There's all these feminine hygiene products. And right the the shelf right above all the feminine hygiene products are all the religious candles. Okay. So I thought to myself, what the fuck is this about? There's got to be some deeper meaning for these people for that. Well, I'm thinking that that the candles are are an impulse item aimed at women. That's that's what I would gather from that because they figure, okay, women are buying these religious candles, so let's put them where the women have to go. You think so? Oh, that's that's just the first thing that pops into my head, marketing-wise. I think it's the sin of bleeding. Oh, I don't, okay. So you well. have to light a candle every time you use a napkin. you got to light a candle. Okay, all right. You well, know. in some cultures, who knows what goes well, on. Well, that's man. it. I mean, I mean, I mean, who's this, to say? This who's market right covers every Hispanic. 
you know, okay. Mexican hunter. Right, but it's a whole whole range yeah, of Hispanic whole, cultures. Yeah, though, it's among, a whole booyah base of right. those people. <laughs> right, right. And they've got good guacamole there. It's oh, really okay. good and spicy. Nice. Uh, but their I, chips suck. Because hmm. so, I was making my own chips. Okay. I made my own chips to have guacamole. Really? You make your own chips at home? Yeah, it's easy. Oh, okay. It's very, I'll show you one day. All right, yeah. But yeah, it was kind of crazy going nuts that I saw that. And, uh, you know, one thing about this uh, last week that I noticed that uh, um, not too many people got killed. And that was a good thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Nobody, nobody at a parade got killed. There weren't any mass. No, there was that shootings. girl. That girl. Got well, killed. that was yeah, like a, the Uber ride home. That was terrible. No, 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 not that girl. Uh, not that, that, that girl. girl that that fifteen-year-old girl from Houston. Hmm. She came. Was her first Mardi Gras. She came to visit. And she was a couple blocks from the Endemian route, and she was at this little food stand, and she's ordering food, and I think it was on Conti Street or something like that, and these. Two guys are sitting there, like, in line with her. Some guy comes out of nowhere and shoots the two guys. Mm. And one of the straight bullets hits her. Oh, she Jesus. dies the next day. Man, I hadn't heard about that. Oh, oh yes. God, it's yeah, terrible. It I had awful. to bring that up, man. <laughs> well, it's murder at Mardi Gras, Yeah, yeah, man. yeah, yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, and now yeah. the state troopers are gone. The, the violence is going to fucking peak, up, spike, big so, time. So it was her first and last Mardi Gras, it turns yeah, out. <laughs> yeah, her first and last. And Tough, another man. thing that I thought was, I, I thought was kind of humorous on, on Mardi Gras Day, we got some people um, who lost, had a lot of damage. They live a few blocks away from us. A lot of damage to their home during Ida. So they're renting the house across the street from us. And these people are like his hipster doofuses, man. They, you know, they got, <laughs> they got all sorts of. For every day, they were out in their front yard, like making costumes for this crew, making co- for this. And then on Mardi Gras day, I was out on my front porch. I don't know. I think taking out the trash and like that. And I see <laughs> this car pulls up, and it's this guy visiting this house. You know, he's. I guess they're going to go to the parades together or whatever, Saint Anne or whatever that is. Right. And. This guy, you know, like I've, you know, he's he's a white guy dressed as a woman. This uh-huh. is what the white people do. The okay. white guys have to dress as women on Mardi Gras day, and he's he's dressed as a woman, and he goes in the back, and he's getting his kid out of the car seat, and I'm thinking to myself, that's got to be so confusing for the kid. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to daddy? <laughs> Where's mommy? You're not my mommy. Right. You know, Trevor and, has two mommies. Yeah, Trevor has two mommies. Exactly. It's like, and he's dressed up, and, and, and the kid looks frightened as can be. <laughs> frightened. So, I thought he was being kidnapped. Well, yeah, and I just thought, I thought that was kind of, con- you know, it can be confusing to kids when sure, they see their parents sure. dress well, in costumes. Mardi Gras in general can be confusing for children. They see all kind of behavior they're, they're not expecting. So, you know, it's a, right. it's a learning experience for everyone, man. Yeah, and. Um, you know, and and again, I was watching the Lundy Gras. You know, those uh, the two big shots, Rex and Zulu. They come off a boat, and you know, right. and they 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 get the key to the city and all right. that kind of stuff. And once again, I'm watching Rex, the parade of Rex, all these people coming off the ferry boat, and it just looks so racist to me. Yeah. So the the yeah. costumes they're wearing, it's just like. Really? Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, weird. Rex is like 80 years old, and the queen is like 19. Sure. You know, which uh, I, you know, keep, good for Rex. Keep, keep yeah. it classy. <laughs> she's, yeah, yeah. she's over 18, so. Well, yeah, there you exactly. Go. There you go. She's, she's got the candles and the products. Yeah. Exactly. Um, 
Well, Manny... Uh, Does she have the feminine hygiene products by the candles, though? That's, well, that's what thing. I'm saying. She's got all that. Yeah, mm. she's a, a full-grown full, uh, full okay. lady. Okay. Um, uh, well, Manny, we should get to our guest here, because he's been very patient. We've been running on about, uh, you know, our, all of our business here. What do you think? Sure. Yeah, let's go. Right on. Let's right go. On. Well, uh, this is a fellow I've known for a, a long time. He's a terrific saxophone player, Grammy award-winning saxophone player, Ooh. arranger, composer, uh, instructor. He's a professor at uh, Loyola University. Um, not sure if he wants me to say that or not. A founding member of the New Orleans Nightcrawlers. Uh, he's in all kind of bands, Papa Gross, Funk, Galactic, uh, King James, and the Special Man. We'll get into all that. But without further ado, the great Mr. Jason Mengeldorf. Welcome, Jason. Hey, guys. How's hey, it going? Hey, man. Good, man. Welcome. Glad that you could uh, be here in, in person with us at our, our new Home Away From Home Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge. This is way better than being online. I'm tired of Zoom. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. To totally tired. Well, we don't even do Zoom. No, no, no. We got <laughs> anything that's like Zoom. Right, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this, this is so much so much better. You can uh, get make eye contact. You can know when someone's going to talk or when you should shut up. Uh, yeah, but I have to wear pants. Well, yes. Yeah, yeah. well, actually, actually, it's Snake and Jake's. That is oh, optional, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's up to you. <laughs> yeah, just don't let Dave see you in a dress. Right. He'll get extra fresh. Yeah, he'll get. Yeah, that old man will get fresh on you, man. So, so Jason, uh, I know you're not from New Orleans, but I really don't know where you're from or how you got here. Why don't you tell us about that? Well, uh, I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama. Okay. Get out right yep. now. No. And uh, oh, I just got here. <laughs> um, my uh, my grandparents were musicians. Okay. Uh, they used to have a kind of a gospel quartet. And uh, actually, they all—they always used to tell me stories about their their careers and stuff. They used to have a, a piano organ store. So when we go over to their house, they had two organs in their house. I thought that was just normal. Nice. You know? So, yeah. so your your grandmother and grandfather—they were like a yeah. A in team fact, kinda? they uh, they used to share a, a duplex with Hank Williams. Really? Yeah, yeah. They, Where was that? In Montgomery. Oh no, yeah, he's from Montgomery. Yeah. So, um, and they would tour all over the country. You know, Together with Hank Williams? Not with him, oh, no, no. But no, they no. just on their own, uh, you know, their own like little the, group. The gospel tent circuit kind yeah, of Yeah, like deal? they would sing and they and they told me like they sang at the rhyme at the uh, Grand Ole Opry, you know, and nice. stuff. Man. Elvis and stuff. So they so that was always in the family. Um, okay, and and not but not your parents? No, but every time I went over there they would make me try to play Yakety Sax. Okay, was, yeah. so and you you started playing saxophone early on. Uh, yeah, like band? in band, yeah, seventh grade. Uh -huh. I saw it on, you know, MTV age. So you know, saw it on videos. Right. So you're playing alto at that time or tenor? tenor? Okay. I started oh, on tenor. Yeah. Okay. Nice. And um, wait a minute, MTV. How old are you? I'm fifty. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Yeah, so, so uh, you would have been like uh, so you can't get that discount school. yet, man. <laughs> I got five years. I'm, <laughs> right, so, I'm, I got it on the calendar. Yeah, I got yeah, my yeah. ARP though, which my wife it? tonight was like, "Are you actually paying for a membership of that?" And I was like, "Well, I'm. I was tired of them sending me shit all the well, time." Well, you know, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it got to you. Yeah, so it, you can it get worked. Of, you get well. You can you can jump the line with if you get that ARP membership, then you start getting discounts right away. You know, you don't have to wait for five years. So that's that's. Well, I, that's I need to look at my little thing they send me. Well, you know, throw in the trash. I guess I should read it right right well I, I haven't done it but well, they I, didn't card me they didn't card me or anything like that so the that's just, depressing yeah well that, oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, you mean, I, to, to qualify for the, for the 
<laughs> two two they believed two. you right up. Yeah, said, yeah, okay, dude, you're all right. You well, know. you know, Jason, I saw a picture of you today uh, playing at Disneyland, oh, and it looks like yeah. you're about 10 years old. What, 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 tell us about that. Oh, that, man, that was fun. Uh, when I was in college, they have a summer program where you can work at Disney. Okay. And they had Disney a, World or Disneyland? Disney World Okay. at Epcot Center, oh. and they had a symphony orchestra. And every weekend we had a guest artist, so we and we would play behind them. So we had guest artists like Dave Brubeck and wow. uh, Rita Morano and um, nice, she's hot, uh, right? oh, she was awesome. Yeah. Man, uh, Della Reese, uh, wow, big a, talent, a bunch of uh, Maynard Ferguson, nice, and um, and it was the easiest gig. We were just because we didn't have to be at work until like three o'clock, and they basically br- hire people that are all kind of outgoing people. Great uh-huh. musicians from all over the country. So we just partied every night. Every night was just a crazy party. It was nice. fun. Yeah, yeah, that that was funny. I, you know, I you partied like, at Epcot. Or oh, we were uh, not allowed to. Yeah, we yeah, would get yeah, in trouble yeah. if we partied yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Um, you know, they had uh, apartments for us there. Although I heard that from the people the next year that they they weren't allowed to use their apartments after that because we destroyed them, <laughs> which I'm quite proud of. Okay. Uh, but um, because um, no, I've been was, to Epcot. Epcot to me, I mean, it seemed kind of cool. They have the English beer gardens, and they got the, you know, alcohols of the world and stuff. Right. Yeah, we, we could go there on our day yeah. off, and yeah. they had the thing you drink around the world. Right, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, we would yeah. do that on our day off. Yeah, um, but I didn't, I mean, there's only really one, to me, there's only really one good ride at Epcot, and that's that race car ride that you build your own car. Did you ever see that? Hmm. Yeah, I uh, I think that came after I worked. Oh, there. okay, because yeah. they, they were all kind of lame when I worked. When yeah, I Epcot there. and the other parts of Disney World are fantastic for the rides, but Epcot just seemed to be like I think it was a thing for the adults really. It's like yeah, yeah adults it's, go visit Italy, you know, yeah. you know, let your kids go to uh, Wilderness World. Yeah, so we were right on the water, right in front of the American Pavilion. So, okay, um, cool. So it was fun. Nice, I bet. Yeah. So, so, um, so you're there in Montgomery. You play in saxophone in the school band. Uh, you're you're excelling. You're uh, you're you're the drum major. You're uh, yep. Oh, really? That's true. That is true. It's yeah. So funny. I was a drum major too. It's so was Joe Cabral. It's a crazy what? how many yes how many guys are, who are playing professionally. You know, like they they were the guy who was the, the yeah, drum major. Yeah, I'm band. glad I did it because my band director he was just he hated being a band he hated marching band so uh-huh. i kind of took it over i rehearsed the band i picked music i wrote charts nice and um i realized from the experience that i hated it yeah. and uh and i was like yeah i was like there's no way i'm gonna be a <laughs> it's not gonna even be a backup for me right i'm, I'm, I'm not even gonna get it because they say get a music ed you can back is always be a good backup no i'm never gonna want to do that uh i'm gonna be so a side man or nothing yeah no so <laughs> of course i'm teaching again but at least it's not high school band so right right yeah so i'm, I'm glad for that experience but um and then it was it was good for you you i'm sure you know you you don't mind uh writing charts now you just don't want to have to you know oh yeah but i used to write the drills like the marching drills like that right right and 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 even down to like uh did y'all march like like the you ever see the way i we we taught we had uh eric bolivar on the show who was super into these marching drum and bugle core things i did it you did that too i did well i quit Okay. I, my senior year, I did DCI, which is a, a hardcore marching thing. Right. Because my band, my marching band was so lame that it wasn't really a great experience for me. So I, I did that. But you went extra it was my, se- it it was okay. my senior year. Right. But every other weekend they were meeting, and it was 
and it was lame. I'm like, it's my senior year. I want to have fun. So I quit. I, sure, sure. Yeah. yeah, that's it's a huge commitment. Anyway, uh, get, getting out of the weeds of the, of the school band thing, I can yeah. talk about that all night. But anyway, so you, you decide to pursue music professionally You go to that, that you're going to go to school for. You go to, to yep. the uh, University of Alabama, yep. and, and you have a good experience there. Oh, yeah. I loved it. I started right gigging pretty much right when I got there with a the cover band. Just torn all over the area. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Love nice. It. And uh, so how do you wind up in New Orleans? Um, well, I auditioned for two schools for grad school, uh, UNO and Rutgers. Now, now, why, why did you, why were you thinking grad school? What was, what was in, what was in, well, in your mind? not much to do in Alabama, you know. I, right. I mean, you weren't thinking, oh, I want to go out on the road with uh, Maynard. <laughs> I mean, not that he was doing No, that was, he wasn't calling me up. Asking me to to do that, so I was. I just wanted to. It was either move up to the Northeast, but I like the South. Right. I was thinking maybe Memphis, but New Orleans was cool, and uh, and I was like, I'll audition to these two schools, and if I don't get in it, maybe I shouldn't do this. Well, I didn't get into either one. Hmm. So, but the uh, the SAC teacher there, Ed Peterson, who's great. He's like, you know, why don't you just come anyway, and then you can re audition later. You right. Know? And so I did that and. So up. Rutgers is has a cool program. Oh yeah, they have a really good jazz yeah, program. Yeah, oh really? Yeah, I did yeah, not know yeah. that. Yeah. So Jackie McLean was teaching there at one oh, time because yeah. oh. Ellis wanted me to go there, and I was oh, like, Oh, I had no. a terrible audition there. It <laughs> yeah. was it was humiliating. So so I, I came and finished my my grad degree in two years here at UNO. Okay, and now that was when when Ellis Marcellus yeah. was was mm-hmm. there. Yeah. Did you have much much contact with Ellis? As, not as much with him. More with uh, Harold Baptiste. Okay. He was my like arranging teacher and stuff. Nice. That must have been terrific stuff. He was awesome. He's great, yeah. Nice man. So that was, uh, you know, you were in the maybe the first kind of wave of uh, of the conveyor belt of great musicians coming into New Orleans, as if we needed any more. But yes, coming in to to the the great program that Ellis and then and then uh, Steve Mazakowski has continued yep. over at yeah. Uh, UNO. Yeah, it was it was a perfect experience. When I went to Alabama, I learned a lot of things like how to read music and different styles like classical i actually got a degree in classical sax okay and so a lot of those skills i use on gigs but when i moved to new orleans uno got me kind of working on my jazz plan and stuff nice so it was you know, actually I have, perfect I have, for me i have my one question which i used on brad walker who also got a a, uh, a degree oh. in classical saxophone it's like right. well classical saxophone you know after the glasnoff what do you do and he's like oh wow now like so. <laughs> it's not much, right? Right. Well, exactly. There's, there, there's a, yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, just, it's just kind of a joke. We're we're moving on. We don't want to yeah. get into those weeds either. But uh, so so you wind up in New Orleans, and and I know you played with uh, Papa Gros Funk for like 13 years or so. Is that yeah? That, was that pretty soon uh, after? Uh, that was about after five years. Okay. Yeah, I had the first gig I was touring with was Galactic, actually. Okay. And then Mim what, Shannon. And what, what, like, what, what era? What years were that? Was that? Uh, I guess it was like '98. Okay. '99. That must have been fun being out with those guys. Uh, playing oh yeah, all great it, venues. Yeah, it was when we first started touring, actually. So me and Ben, we used to work at a sax repair shop together. Huh. And so he would he would do the West Coast tours, and I would do the East Coast tours. Oh no kidding! And when we were in so town, somebody we was always yeah. So we always would work in the shop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nice. You guys are conscientious, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's funny. So touring agrees with you? You like it? You like to get out of town, go see I new like sites? It. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I like it. Um, 
I usually like to go see the sights. I don't like to live in the in the hotel. Yeah, because otherwise like to you're sit just in the hotel and smoke two boring. packs of cigarettes. No, it's yeah, boring. Yeah. I mean, why why go out if you just right. stand in a hotel? Sure. So, so I'm usually going to the museums or touristy things, and nice. eating good food, whatever. Good for you, man. Well, I'm broke when I come home, but at least I have fun. All right. Well, yeah. So uh, you know, they they bury you with no pockets, Jason. You yeah. know, so it's all all you have is your experiences, right? As everyone at the table takes a drink. Yeah. <laughs> 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 so so uh so so you're out with Galactic and Mem yeah. Shannon and yep. Mem was great and and uh you know had kind of a a new take on the blues there is on on uh, Rhino right it's yeah. uh, Rhino yeah. Records uh, that's good support that that must have been some some good dates seeing the the blues circuit which uh I guess uh, were you guys much on the like the the blues circuit? Kind of, you know. Mem doesn't do like your stereotypical like kind of sh- Chicago blues, right? Which right. That's what I kind of like. Yeah. But we kind of joke that 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 there's like every club you go to in the country, every the blues there's the same people, like it's yeah. the same blues fans. There's like the same hundred fans. They're just all over the place. Right. They just live in different places. Right. 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 <laughs> So you get a taste of that. That's good. A little seasoning on on uh, young Jason Mingledorf. Yeah. How old are you now? Fifty. No, 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 no. I was fifty. No, I, uh, you were fifty. 50. Then? Yeah, I've been fifty okay. for twenty years. I was. <laughs> you look great. I was. Uh, up I up. think I was yeah. like twenty-eight. Oh, 29? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you're Something young. Like yeah. You can handle the fucking road, yeah. yeah. Well, but then you were yet to go out with John Grow, who you you go out with him for for like. 10, 12 years. Or yeah, so. yeah. Now that that's a band kind of started uh, at, at uh, the the Maple Leaf playing Monday nights, right? Actually started maybe at the Old, old Point. Yeah, Old right, Point Bar. Right. Yes, yeah. John was a guest. He told us about that. Everybody, you know, if you want to hear the detailed story, go back to the John Grow episode there. And but uh, you guys start there, but it becomes a whole thing. You guys are playing every Monday night at uh, at uh, the Maple Leaf yeah. eventually, and then you know. Everybody comes into the Maple Leaf from everywhere else in the country, all the hardcore music fans, especially during Jazz Fest, and they see all the bands there. And then you kind of have a built-in audience when you go start touring around the country. So you guys were able to do that, and you had the great June Yamagishi on on the... The uh, the band and uh, yeah oh you got to get him on here I would love to have June on you know June I went out on one tour with with John with June and he and I like would eat together everybody else would go somewhere else and I'd say I'm gonna go to this place and then June would walk in after me and sit next to me and June reminded me a lot of my grandmother for some reason he just had a very gentle he liked McDonald's too like you Uh, no I don't like McDonald's. (laughs) No, I would go to, to like they they'd want to go to some you know fried seafood restaurant. I'd want to just go get like an egg sandwich somewhere, you know. And, and McDonald's, uh, well, nothing, right? June and June could get all those discounts too, the senior discounts. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah June, June makes me young. June's young. great because he's so passionate about food. He'll tell you to eat somewhere, and you kind of like you got to go. You know? Yeah, and and then you're so excited because June said it was great. Well, his enthusiasm yeah. Of, yeah, for enth- everything is yeah. so infectious, yeah. you know, as a guitar yeah. player, as he's just a yeah. very excited, you know, he's a guy that gets you excited, yeah. like you said. There's so a guy we- named June? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, his, his Japanese, his given name it's is... actually, is, I think, Junshi. Okay. Junshi. Okay. So, that's... Yeah, um, but that whole band, we were passionate about eating, though. We... We we would we would go out of the way like two hours to get a really good meal. <laughs> okay. Well, why not? Yeah. I mean, like I said, 
Yeah. Yeah. While we're out there, you know. When you're on the road, you know, someone says, oh, look, there's a Wendy's. I always say we can do better than that. Yeah. We can always do better than that. Sure. And if it takes going two hours out of the way to get a decent meal, why not? Well, you know. Even though they do have a delicious uh, spicy chicken sandwich there. At Wendy's? <laughs> Wendy's, yeah, yeah. Well, you would know. It's really. one of my favorites. <laughs> I, I yeah. made the whole third Iguana's record eating nothing but uh, those, those Wendy's fried chicken sandwiches for lunch. Anyway, uh, so uh, after so long on the road, I don't know, John said it just kind of, uh, kind of reached a point where it felt like uh, everybody had done it enough. What was your th- what were your thoughts on Yeah, it was I mean there were a number of factors. I think John was working his butt off trying to just make the band happen. Right. And we're all kind of just not really sidemen but but kind of acting like sidemen, you know. Right. Just showing right, up right. And, and doing the gig. I was really serious about the music, you know, but um so I think there were issues of just having control to be able to do what we wanted. He was the star, and you were his hired hands. Is that what no, well? No, it was a whole band, kind of. Yeah. It was. I mean, it was. Um, it was kind of brought together as all five equals, but he kind of did everything. So you know, <laughs> um, and and he's the one who paid you guys. He got paid. he paid. Yeah, he yeah, he took he, care of everything. And he took yeah. really good care of us and stuff. But every now and then, like for instance, we'd start to get opportunities. And um, he's he's trying to sell a product that's the same, you know. And so I might get an opportunity to play with Dr. John or June might get an opportunity to play with Joe Sample or something. And sometimes there was stresses because if we're not there for Papa Gross Funk, it's not the same. Right, you know? so right. He, well, so, yeah, it's always that So conflict, he was, he was you know? getting the – I know he had the pressure of trying to present the same band. And we were like, well, I really want to do – I really want to play with Dr. John right, and stuff. So right. there was tension from that. Right. Well, so mm-hmm. yes, everybody decided they yeah. were they they'd had enough of that, and they yeah. were interested in you know. Yeah, and we we actually started a band after we broke up with everyone but John. Okay. And we played. <laughs> he probably didn't like that, but we only lasted. A, we didn't last more than a maybe a month or so because right. nobody wanted to be in. Who was the drummer for this band? Well, the original drummer was Russell Baptiste, who okay. is amazing, one of the best funkiest drummers in the world, right. and then. And then after that, an, um, another amazing drummer was Jelly Bean yes. Alexander. Jeffrey Alexander. Jeffrey, yes. Oh, just incredible. Fantastic like the pocket, drummer. like yep. nobody. So two of my favorite drummers in town, and I was really spoiled playing with those guys right. every week. I right. mean, I'm really spoiled. And, but yeah. they, they, you guys formed a band, another band. You left, uh, uh, what's his name? When Papa Gosman broke up, we had another little band called the Yakiniku uh, All-Stars. But like I said, we... Maybe a couple months, and right. nobody Didn't, wanted to be a leader. And that's right. the hard part. So, right. John was, was doing. Yeah. John was the linchpin, and yeah. the, 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 yeah, yeah. the guy getting so up and we, working we did, every day. We, sure, we had sure. fun, but we uh, <laughs> didn't last because <laughs> we, right. we realized that we all like to get paid. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Right. That's one of the and not not be the guy paying somebody. Yes, you don't want to have to I wanna, be collecting and yes, yeah, yeah. That that's no fun. Yeah, that's sure, no fun. Sure, so sure. I, I definitely gain an appreciation for what about you know, the yeah. merch? Were you selling lots of merch? Because that's with where Papa the real Gross funk. Yeah, that's where the real money is. Oh yeah, is the Pop, merch. Well, Papa Gross funk had a lot of merch. Good. The, the other band we had zero. Yeah, zero so merch. Was, <laughs> actually, I saw a Papa Gross funk T-shirt on uh, Mardi Gras day. So all right, was, maybe a little smile on my face. Well, um, Manny, uh, should we uh, take this opportunity to uh, take our little break here? Sure, yeah. Is it that time? Yeah, it could be that time. Okay, cool. Yeah, my drink's getting low. All right, well, so we'll, uh, the nation, the troubled nation, man. 
They know what to do in these times. And we're having troubling times right now. So uh, go take a break. Uh, go to the bathroom. Wash your face. Brush your teeth. Have a cocktail. Uh, and we'll be right back. Back with Mr. Manny Chevrolet. I am Renee Coman. Back with our guest, Mr. Jason Mingledorf. Now, uh, Manny, Jason, turns out we have a, a new sponsor here on the Troubled Men podcast. Really? Yes, Woo. yeah, yeah. New sponsor really? coming coming aboard for, for a time anyway. Uh, uh, longtime listener and promoter Kenny Bergmeier Martinez is putting on his uh, ninth annual Big Island Jazz and Blues Fest there in the Big Island of Hawaii. Uh, June 4th on, at the uh, Mauna Kea Beach Hotel. This is a uh, guy's put on, puts on uh, three jazz festivals a year at, uh, you know, Maui, uh, Oahu, uh, Big Island. So this will be the Big Island's been postponed a couple of years, but uh, it's, it's all going to go down there at the, the Mauna Kea so Beach Hotel. So is he Hotel. bringing us out there? He's, he's bringing me. He's bringing the iguanas. He's uh. bringing uh, the great Skip Martin from the Daz Band and uh, a few other terrific bands and and a uh, whole bunch of other people wayne too well, why is can't there. i go well you can go man it's 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 open to the public but uh you know he's only well, why he's, doesn't this guy pay for me to come out there well he's sponsoring us well he's he's sponsoring the our the the cocktail fund and sponsoring uh, uh. so but uh you know i'm sure you'd be more than welcome there at the, uh, the never had any, you know Blues growing Fest. up in los angeles never had any desire to go to hawaii huh Never. And, you know, I grew up on the beaches right. of Venice and Santa Monica. People were always going to Hawaii. And I was just like, you know, I got the sand right here. What the fuck? I need to go way out there. Have, have you been? All. No, I never have been. You know, I, I had never been either. And I saw many people go, you know, go on vacation. And I thought one day someone will pay me to go to Hawaii. <laughs> and lo and behold... Uh, when I got to be like 50 years old, someone did. Kenny Bergmeier Martinez started bringing the iguanas to uh, to these these. Bergmeier Martinez, what the hell kind of name is that? Yes, yeah, it's, uh, it's German and uh, Mexican. 
Wow. So his father. Well, that's true. During uh, pre-World War II, a lot of krauts in Mexico. Okay. Well, I'm Nazis. not sure where his parents met, but yeah. uh, no, but, it's uh, true. It's oh, true. No, no, There's I believe you. Of, that's right. where like uh, a folklorial music came from—the polka music. The Germans. Well, sure, yeah, yeah. That's how Ger- the accordion got yeah, into to yeah. Norteño music. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like music like Flaco. Right. <laughs> Flacco Jimenez. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love Flacco. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Flacco. Is he and, alive and, still? Flacco is still alive. Let's get man. him on the show. I would love to get Flacco on the show. Yeah. That w- that's okay. That's that's a that's good. Flacco. Who's a connection with Flacco? Oh no, it's easy. Rod Hodges has his number. Well, no, get Rod. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Now, who is Rod Hodges? Uh, the Iguanas guitar player. Oh, okay, you know? yeah. Well, okay, I've been in a band with yeah. for thirty years. Get Rod to call <laughs> Flacco and tell yeah. Flacco that we'll give him a case of beer to be on the show. Uh, that I might know do he it, likes man. his beer. That might do it. Well, you know, uh, we'd, we'd have to get somebody to, to uh, you know, get him. If he's not going to be in New Orleans, someone would have to work out. The, Jesse uh, can bring him. Oh, okay. All right. Jesse Dayton. Yeah, yeah. All right. I, I no, like Jesse Rogers, the porn star. Oh, okay. <laughs> she right. could bring him. All right. She's anyway, based out of Texas. So okay. So so we're gonna we're walk, you ever we're, seen her porno? It's pretty good. I'm not sure if I have or not. It's hard to remember names. Um, but uh, so yes, the big island. You're too jazz busy just whacking <laughs> off to the screen, right? I don't, you don't no, care about the name. There's a lot to look at, you yeah. know. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so uh, everybody, you know, keep your eyes out for that, and we'll we'll be talking more about that as as the shows go on. It's good to have a, a sponsor again, besides Lose Change. But as always, you know, we, we don't want to so turn our back. How long on. is he going to be our sponsor? Well, it's we're going month to month here. It's kind okay. of a month to month tendency. So so far, yeah. he's he's we're, he's a month into. So it, send so me a picture this guy because I need to put a face to this okay sponsor. sure 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 absolutely yeah. when's the festival when it's uh, June the 4th so you probably got sponsorship at least till then hopefully well we'll see hopefully. it's maybe it depends on how well we deliver oh, on oh, yeah. <laughs> how well his expectations <laughs> are met no he's a long time listener of the show he's a fan not to turn our back on loose change you know we still have the uh, the Venmo link in the show notes and the the PayPal link in the show notes and and on the Facebook page and the Patreon page you can uh, support us week in and week out and we still have the Trouble Men podcast t-shirts and uh, you know those are available on demand whenever whenever you need a t-shirt the, there it is it says Trouble Men podcast on it'll be the the pride of what your block What happened to our stickers we're getting more stickers. I'm, I'm working on it, Manny. I'm, okay. I'm like the John Grove of this podcast. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, what was I going to say? Yes, and uh, you know, if you're enjoying the show, uh, subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast. Uh, rate us. Give us a five-star review. You could even say, uh, uh, love the show. Hate Manny and Renee. Five stars. We like that. And uh, also uh, follow us on social media. We're there on Facebook and, and uh, Instagram and sometimes Twitter. And share it with your friends. And uh, that's all I can think of right now. Um, anyway, yeah. back anyway, to our guest. Yeah, uh, well, no, before we get, I wanted oh, to okay. talk about something that I, I wanted to bring up uh, quite a while ago. It was, it was something I saw, and it was, it was kind of crazy going nuts. Uh, this woman who had cancer of her tongue. Hmm. Hmm, that's she terrible. had cancer on her tongue, and I don't know where she was from. I think it was um, the Carolinas or something like hmm. that. But she, uh, so what they decided to do, they removed the cancer off her tongue, and they put the, some of the skin from her thigh on her tongue Okay. to replace that chunk right. of tongue. Skin graft, sure. Yeah, that they tore out because it was cancerous. But I guess these uh, these doctors, you know, 
his doctors didn't realize that the thigh will grow hair. So she started growing all this hair on her tongue. Okay. <laughs> and um, it was not good for her because, <laughs> um, well, because she was a porno star. And also, uh, that was another weird thing about it. But anyway, just wow. something I wanted to bring out there. Okay. <laughs> so if you ever get cancer on your tongue, uh, research it. You might, you know, just... Maybe have half a tongue, you know. Go through life with half a tongue. But but if you're going to get a graft, get a graft from yeah. somewhere that yeah. that doesn't grow so much hair. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like right, the well, tongue. Can you get a wax? <laughs> of your live tongue? and learn. Yeah, yeah. No, live and learn. I guess you get a tongue could, wax. Well, that's a good question. A tongue waxing. Okay, a tongue okay. wax. All right. All right. So maybe a new field. I, yeah. Okay, Jason. I'm not sure there's a it's a growth industry or anything, but uh, maybe you know. the bottom of the foot. You could graft the bottom of the because the bottom of your foot doesn't grow hair, does it? No, not mine. Well, not mm. mine either. <laughs> <Okay>. no. <laughs> yeah. you know. I really don't have any hair on the top of my feet either, frankly. Well. But uh, anyway. Unless you're Greek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then, it, then, then it's hair everywhere. Yeah, it's yeah, hair yeah, yeah. everywhere. Anyway. Uh, Some chicks like hair, though. Sure, you know? yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. They I've, like I've, hair I've, on their tongue. I've, I don't know. Uh, possibly so. Anyway, uh, enough of that. Uh, back to our guest, Mr. Jason Mengeldorf. Now, Jason... Um, uh, somewhere around uh, the, the mid-2000s there, you, you start teaching at Loyola. Yeah. Uh, now you become an uh, adjunct professor of saxophone there. How, how do you, what's, uh, what, what's the appeal? Uh, what, how, how does that happen? Uh, well, after Katrina, uh, Tony DeGrotti, who's who was the main te- sax teacher there, he brought me in, which okay. I don't know, I, probably Eric Traub might have, Giving him my name because I never really knew Tony that well. But, now that's uh, a name. Now that you've mentioned it, that's, oh, let's oh, let's oh. get into Eric Traub. Okay. We can get back yeah. to, to Loyola. I'll, I'll always talk about Eric. Well, wait, who's Tony? Who Tony? Tony DeGrotti, amazing saxophone player. Oh, plays with like Astro a mob boss name. Tony DeGrotti. Oh yeah, he, oh, yeah, 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 he is actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a lot of people don't know that about him. Um, no, but he no, he's he's amazing saxophone. But but Eric Traub. Oh yeah. So another amazing saxophone player oh. who's who's uh, dearly departed. We lost him a few years ago. Yeah. But what a monster a guy who was on uh, on the road with all these big bands. And and I'm going to circle back to 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 Loyola and the Loyola education I got and what they do now. And but you know the like when I was at Loyola, they were pre- preparing us to be to have the kind of career that Eric Traub had, but was no longer in existence (laughs) in my generation. But anyway, Eric was out, played with him. You talk. Oh, well, Eric, he toured with Maynard Ferguson, who we were talking about earlier. Right. But he was in the Nightcrawlers when I joined. And um, I actually used to live in, when I moved uptown, I moved into his his old apartment. And he lived in the other side of the house with me, um, over there on uh, Claiborne. I don't yeah. know if we could. Yeah, no, I was going to say, uh, uh, you've, been, you've always been very generous in that uh, you don't bring up how uh, one night, very late at night, I smashed into your parked car <laughs> on my way yes. home yes. Uh, on Claiborne Avenue, and uh, and you never held a grudge, and I did appreciate oh, that. No. You were very oh, charitable no. about it. Yes. Um, it all worked out in the wash, did it not? It, it all worked out. I, okay. won't, I won't delve any into, sure. more into that. Exactly. But... Uh, uh, but Eric lived on the other side of the house, and so he would hear me practicing, and, I'd be, and he'd, he'd call me up. He's like, hey, uh, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> keep it Will down. Will you keep it when down? When he was in a bad mood, no. But he, he would like, I got something you need to hear, you know, or like, 
Nice. And so he would never give me lessons, but I'd go up there and he'd play Drop the Needle and we would just hang out and he would just play records for me. And anytime I was practicing, he would, he could hear everything I was playing. It's kind right. of nervous when your mentor is right. right there, you know. But, but after a while, you get, you get numb to it. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, I don't even care. Yeah. Of course he hears and so, um, yeah, he was definitely my main mentor. And uh, we're actually doing a tribute to him at French Quarter Fest, me and Mike Jenner. That's terrific, man, because yeah. he's one of those guys, you know, like side man, you know, it's e it'd be easy for like, you know, you say that name. He's not dead? Yeah, 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 he died a couple years ago. Uh, okay. Yeah, There was a picture, I don't know if you remember, Manny, there was a, a picture on the wall of the Circle Bar that was a boy, it was kind of a portrait, like a photograph, but a big blown up photograph of like a seven-year-old boy um, on the wall. The last, if you want to go there, the last man, eight years sure. it was okay. there. Yeah. That was a picture of Eric Traub when he was a child, and his father uh. was a photographer. And I think that was might have been like an award-winning photograph. And when Eric uh, passed away up somewhere up north, and they cleaned his apartment out, Dave Clements was driving by the front of that apartment you're talking about. Yeah, and he moved back into my old apartment when I left and, him. And yeah. saw that that photo that framed photograph no sitting way. there and picked it up and brought it back and and put it on the, the wall of the circle bar and that was Eric as a as a boy. Anyway. Wow. Wow, I wonder where it is now. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's a good oh, question. Yeah, I, hope, a good question. Uh, I mean, I know Dave wouldn't. He knew what it was, you know. But uh, it was tremendous. Bring it over here. But Dave's a swindler in many ways. Well, he's also a sweetheart in many yeah. ways. Uh, but uh, but so yeah, Eric Traub, man, and and what a terrific mentor to have. You know, a guy who'd seen it all, and and, and yeah, I remember the first time I saw him at, at Snug Harbor, and and. I just remember, I thought he was so cool because he was smoking. Of course, back then you smoked, and he smoked all the time. Right. But he would put his cigarette in the little, there's a little hole in the bell of the saxophone that, cut, that protects the keys. And uh -huh. stick it there. And so it looked like smoke was coming out of a saxophone uh -huh. when I was playing. Of course, I thought, <laughs> as a young kid, I just thought this was the coolest thing in, in the world. Brought his own special effects. Yeah, his own, yeah, his own, his own uh, fog machine kind of. Right, right, right. And, uh, but unfortunately, the smoking thing, he never quit. That, that was that kind of, you know, yeah, it was definitely. Just, in the long term, that was not good for him. Right, right. But he had a good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, I remember, like, seeing him with, like, uh, uh, I can't even think of the guy. He had, the, like, the practice band at the, Doc at the, at the A bar, um, trumpet player. Anyway. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, Luther Kent. No, well. Oh, oh with Brian. Uh, this is anyway. Everybody, everybody <laughs> the musicians are, are yelling at us right now. Um, Chuck Easterling. Oh, okay. Thank you. And uh, uh, and, and seeing you know Eric playing in the section, and Eric playing a solo, and just quoting like one show tune or you know just everything in his solo. He knew a million melodies and could you know drop them anywhere he wanted. Amazing tone. Yeah, yeah, he was, yeah, he was. Yeah. Anyway, I I like to talk about these guys. Another guy I would pivot to is is Jerry Jumanville. Oh God, yeah, that guy. Wasn't he on the show? I wanted him on the show. But I chased he died? him. He, he died passed too. away. Uh, okay. I caught up with him in his in his in his hospital bed, <laughs> and I was like, Well, Jerry, I've been chasing you for a year. Now I finally find you, and it's too late, man. 
We've killed a lot of musicians. Yeah, well, so Uganda he, Roberts, we killed. Well, no, no, we you got him. him. We, we, we got, got him, him. We, and yeah, then he yeah. died. Yeah. Well, but it was he was thrilled to be on the podcast, and his wife was uh, was that on the uh, coroner's uh, report? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, fourteen <laughs> months later, because there's no coroner in this fucking. Oh yeah. <laughs> when they come out with it, they will. Yeah. Uh, fourteen um, months later, Uganda Roberts was killed by a podcast. Well, we're still sorting well, out the yeah. details. Yeah. Uh, well, Jerry Jimmy was another one. Like he he, I have a. A good Jerry Jimenville. Well, I'm sure every, well yeah. I, I was lucky enough now back in the late... Jerry Jumanville, oh, he's yeah, a yeah. saxophone player. He grew up with <sighs> my father, took clarinet lessons from the same teacher. Jerry was a tremendous saxophone player, went out to the West Coast, played on a million records. Oh, he's yeah. the guy that plays the solo on... Tonight's Stewart's the Night. Tonight's the Night. Yep. Um, and arranged a ton of records, you know, like one one iconic record after another. Oh, yeah. but, then he, but he's a total New Orleans guy. Yeah. Jerry. Jerry. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, he used to also live up near Woodstock because he played with all those bands. Right. And I, uh, there was a time in the late 90s uh, when um, Levon Helm opened a, a club right. in the quarter. Yeah. And they had the band play for three nights. Uh, to open up the club, mm-hmm. and I, I got to play one of the nights nice. with the band, and uh, the full band, band the the band, yeah, and Robbie Robertson. Oh, well, no, Eric? no Robbie Robertson, okay. but they had Rick Danko, Rick Danko and, and uh, Garth Hudson, and Leon, and, and, and Leon. Richard Manuel. He no, he was dead. He was he, dead no, by yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, I, I was just dumb. I didn't know any. I was hanging out backstage, and this guy, old guy, comes up looking at my saxophone. He's like, oh, "What kind of saxophone is that?" I'm like, "Oh, it's whatever." And he's like. Yeah, I have a saxophone that used to belong to John Coltrane. I'm like, what? What? And it was Garth Hutz. I right. didn't even know who he was. But anyway, right. midway through the gig, Levon got pissed off and walked off the gig. He just he just left. He walked right out the door. And the next song, Rick Denko walked out the door. So then it tr- kind of turned into a jam session. Uh-huh. It was clusterfuck. But with no drummer and bass player. Well, they had a backup. They oh, knew okay. they they were prepared. They, they had a knew backup. They, they were going to walk Yeah, off. yeah, yeah. They had, a, they had an idea that it's going to happen. So, Jerry Jumanville shows up. And he walks on stage and uh and he everybody says, Hello everyone. They, I'm it, Robbie Robertson. No. <laughs> they all knew him. Oh, okay. They all knew him. Okay, yeah. Cool. And and he wa- and he fell. He, he was holding a drink. And he, but he fell into the drum set, uh-huh. and all the cymbals is the loudest sound I've ever heard in my life. It was every cymbal fell, and he fell on the ground. He Jerry still, liked to drink. He was yeah. still holding his drink though on yeah. the ground. And the funny thing Priorities. was, everyone there looked at it like, "Yeah, that's Jerry." Yeah, like, no yeah. one was pissed. No one was upset Did at all. Did anyone help surprised. him up? Oh yeah, we all helped him up, and he okay, played. Right. He took over the stage, and and, okay. and we had a, a lot of fun. But you know, no one was surprised. Right. And no one, no one batted an eye. <laughs> Recently, this this uh, set of photographs show, showed up. I hadn't seen them since I saw one of them 30 years ago. It's this night that uh, Springsteen came and sat in with the oh. iguanas at the Maple Leaf. And there's uh, some great pictures that, that the, the Cheryl Gerber, the terrific photographer that took them, put up there, you know, color photographs of, of Springsteen playing with us. But then there's uh, another set that she took that same night that's black and white. And it's with Jerry Jumanville and Tom Fitzpatrick sitting in with 
with with uh, Joe and Derek from the from the iguana. So we have four tenors playing, and Jerry is gesturing, and you can tell that even though Jerry's just sitting in, he's immediately taken over the oh, yeah. horn oh, section. Yeah, yeah. He <laughs> he's, every, he's immediately telling everybody what to do. <laughs> every time he sat in, he he was the band leader, no matter so what. Funny. Yeah, no matter what, he was the band leader. I love that guy. I miss him so much, and I can remember. The last time hanging out with him at the Maple Leaf one time and talking to him for about an hour. Right. And about 30 minutes into it, he goes, fucking, fucking, whatever. And he's, oh, excuse my, excuse my French. I'm like, Jerry, you've been, you've been cursing for right. like 30 minutes. Right. <laughs> and a buddy, luckily a buddy of mine was recording the whole nice. conversation. Nice, so, oh, um, God, that's, that's golden. Because, yeah, Jerry, Jerry had an incredible voice, incredible accent, and all the shit he would say. I'm good, but you're better. <laughs> you know, shit like that. Talk about Lee Allen. And, uh, well, speaking of Lee Allen, I was going to say uh, Sam oh, Butera. Oh. Oh, well, Lee Allen and Sam Butera, another guy, another great saxophone player who I know you studied a lot. And that's one thing I got to give you credit for, uh, man. You know, you, you know the shit to study. You, you know, it's, 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 it's not just the international stars. You really get the New Orleans saxophone thing and how deep it is, man. Oh, man. Lee Allen is my favorite saxophone player yeah. in the world. Yeah. Do you know who he is, Manny? Well, talk well, about some records oh, that man. Lee so Allen played he play on. With? He played all those great solos on those old Little Richard records. Okay. So like the birth of rock and roll, like this, like kind of peels the paint so off he the was walls. Gay. <laughs> <laughs> no, Not that Little we know Richard of, was gay. Yeah, Richard, I don't think so. Little Richard um, probably thought he was cute. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, no, no, um, yeah, okay, yeah, good Molly, just, good golly, Miss Molly. Oh yeah, yeah, all that, all that shit. There's like a Killing, ripping saxophone solo is, is is Lee Allen, right? And oh man, he's amazing. But you also hung out with Maceo Parker, right? Actually, yes. I, well, yeah. Um, recently, you played with him. You did some. We did a record. Actually, that was a terrifying he's still experience. Alive? He's still alive. Oh, yeah, and he yeah, still yeah. sounds amazing. So yeah, Maceo he's who played be on like all the ninety years old now or something. He's probably in he's his probably late seventies. Actually, yeah. that was. Really? Uh, he's probably. At least in his seventies. Well, yeah, late seventies. He sounds 70s. amazing. Yeah, yeah. We y'all did that uh, at, uh, with another uh, guest of ours, uh, Goat. Goat. You yeah. did over there yeah. at uh, Actually, House that of was, One Thousand Hertz. That was. Um, I remember. Anytime I was in a funk situation, I would kind of ask myself, "What would Maceo do?" You know, yeah. Because he was the father of funk saxophone. Right. And I remember I was checking my mic at Goat's, mm-hmm. and Maceo. They were playing that song Maceo in the background, and they wanted me to check my mic. And Maceo was sitting right in front uh-huh. of me. And I was like, what, what do I play? I can't play Maceo licks in front of Maceo. Right. right. So it was terrifying. And uh-huh. but so from that point on, I, instead of telling myself, what would Maceo do? I have to tell myself, what would I do if Maceo was watching me? Okay. Yeah, uh, all right. I so like that. Don't, don't copy, you know, because you're not going to copy the person in front of them. Because yeah. I saw... Uh, in 1993, I think it was, L.A., I'm from Los Angeles, tried to do their own like little music festival, and it lasted two years because it just got too violent. Really? You say that like, like L.A. is like a tiny little town. Yeah. <laughs> they try to do their little... Yeah, they try to do this. Yeah. They call okay. it the L.A. street scene where all of downtown was closed off and all these stages were made. U2 played there, all these bands played there, and local bands played there. James Brown and the James Brown Review played on this stage. And the Chili Peppers opened for them. So I went to see that. I mean, a bunch of people went to see that. 
Maceo Parker played for, you know, was in the band at yeah, that yeah. time. And it was typical James Brown. It was like, it was like 45 minutes of the band playing before he ever came out. <laughs> and when he did come out, he came out for like three songs and he went back off the stage. Wow. Now, my mom, his energy. Well, my mom used to tell me, because my mom was a big R&B fan. She used to see tons of shows. Bobby Blue Bland, she was friends with. All these shows back in the 50s. And she says, well, if the artist comes out for a few songs and then leaves for like three songs, they're going to fucking shoot up. Or do some drugs. <laughs> this is what my mom you told me. She's, yeah. So, like you had a, so Maceo, was, Maceo was covering for James Brown. Now, this is the early 80s, and we all know James was into the pipe right. in the early 80s. Yeah, oh, yeah. And it's L.A., so it's easily to get. Yeah. But Maceo covered the show. And who was, who was James Brown's MC at that time? I forget his fucking name. I don't remember the Oh, God. Cool G, Cool G, or whatever. Anyway, but watching Maceo play, he looked like he was 75 years old then. This is the early 80s. (laughs) This is the early 80s. He hasn't aged. Okay, well. He has not aged. He's got. He got ahead of the game and stayed there. Yeah, I don't know how. And he he still sounds amazing. Yeah, that album. That record's terrific, man. Oh, man. Well, that had to be a thrill of a lifetime for you to be. It's like you you have to, like, pinch yourself, right, as a saxophone player? Oh, my God. How the fuck did. I mean, of of course, not how the fuck did I wind up here, but God, what a. How gratifying is it to be a saxophone player and wind up playing on that? It was incredible. They added a day, and um, they needed some charts. So I I wrote a, a last minute. I, the night before, I, I wrote a chart, and I just kind of wrote shit that Maceo would kind of do. And, and then right. we didn't have a trumpet. The trumpet player had to go out of town because it was an added day. Uh-huh. So, well, let's get Maceo to play the horn section part. And so I wrote a part, and he was so he was playing my chart, and he wanted it to be perfect. Like he, he and I, he was like, I gotta get the articulations right. And I'm like, Macy, you can play whatever the f- whatever you want because uh-huh. it's just based off what you would play anyway. But right. he, he wanted to play it exactly perfect. It yeah, was, well, because he's, he's operating at a very high level, yeah. man. Yeah. It's, it's it was, his own standard. And I was, yeah, it was kind of out-of-body experience for me. I, wow. I mean, he's one of my heroes. So. Sure, man. Wow, so cool. So, so, but we were talking about oh, Sam Butera. We were oh, talking my, about oh, uh, yeah. Lee Allen, but then oh, Sam got, Butera, so, who... I got to see Sam Butera at uh, Sid and Sal. Is that the place? There's a place in Metairie. Okay, well, well, we were fortunate that you know for for years Sam was out playing in Vegas and he yeah. never played New Orleans. Yeah. And the iguanas, you know, were in Vegas and went and saw him there, you know, and and saw oh, really? him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because oh. my parents would go to Vegas and they talk. They'd always go see Sam and it's always oh, so great. And then, fortunately, like uh, you know, the last. 10, 15 years of his life, he started coming back and doing regular dates once a year, twice a year in New Orleans. Well, they had that swing revival, kind of. Well, kind of on the, yeah, it was on the heels of that. But, you know, I mean, of course, you know, Sam Butera and the Witnesses, uh, you know, uh, transcend all of that. You know, they, yeah. they, they embody that. But so you got to see the... There's only one Sam Butera. That's what they would say. Remember, the, the drummer was, uh, was Steve Stevens, Connie Stevens' brother. <laughs> and he's oh. the guy that would pull the mic around and at the end of the show go, there's only one Sam Butera. Oh, man. I, I saw him. The first time I saw him, he came back and played the Treasure Chest Casino. Right. I saw that show. And, oh, it was incredible. And that was my introduction to gambling, um, by the way. <laughs> but um, And uh, 
You paid then, forty bucks to see if he man, might I'm, see I'm, a good show or not. I'm, I made good bad. money that for. I think they know you're the first time there, and they you win the no, first was, time you it come. It was free huh? to see Sam Butera. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah it, it didn't, even, didn't they cost didn't anything. Even charge an admission. Yeah. Wow, I made well, like 100 a hundred bucks at the slot machine that night. <laughs> that's a hell of a gig. Well, the, the, he he was paid. And he didn't play for free. And just, then and then he came back later when that whole scene was happening and the Gap commercial was using one of his songs. Right. And he had a sold out show of House of Blues. I didn't go to that. But the next night he played in Metairie at this little Italian bar. Yeah. I went out there uh-huh. and it was just family. And right. he just ended up just playing a bunch of Italian songs. It was nice. amazing. It was, All those Italian shuffles. Man. Oh, and he had this huge sound. The, the microphone was up he, up at his head and he he didn't need it at well, all. Well, that's the thing. He, w- he would. He was. He, you know, Sam was probably like five foot four on a good day, and <laughs> and he would use one microphone to sing into yeah. and to play into, and so he would point the mic up and and extend it four inches, and he would sing into it. And then it was time to to play a solo. He would just tilt the microphone down and step back, and you know. Yeah arches back and, and play into the same mic. And the band played so quiet that the, the, the threshold that they played at normally was so low that when they would open up, it was still not super loud, not like a Fender Twin or anything, but it felt like a jet engine in oh, yeah. comparison. Just the, the, the differential between the dynamics was well, so he, powerful. He could arrange for the horns, too, to make it sound like a almost like a big band. Right. He's right. a genius. I, I don't know how he did it, but Right. Well, this is the guy just, you know, this is the guy that 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 like every uh every Louis Prima record that was a hit, Sam was on the band and Sam wrote Sam wrote the arrangement and that's why those records sound so good is Sam yeah. Butera yeah, and, and, and the oh, band. Man. So it's terrific that you were, you know, a young young enough guy to, to but still old enough to to see all these these uh you know some of these classic New Orleans yeah. guys, and 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 it's it's great that you're studying all these people. Anyway, so so now back to your your academic career. Oh now, yes, of course. So I, I have some some now uh, again. I, I wonder, you know, the the whole idea of jazz education, you know, at, at a college level. Yes, yeah. there's the sigh. Um, you know, when I was at Loyola. Again, they were training us to be uh, uh, session musicians at a, a at a jingle studio, or uh, or you could be on the road with Maynard, you know, and or some other big band. And I'm thinking, you know, I, that hadn't ended yet, but I could kind of see. I don't think this is going to last too much longer here. This, and I'm looking around in class. I'm thinking, you know, I think. 90% of these people are either going to be teaching school or selling shoes within three years. So I don't know. Is that still the case there? Are you still taking people's money? <laughs> <laughs> Not you personally, but I get, I get torn about it because, um, I, you know, I want to tell students kind of the reality of, you know, being a musician for a living is not easy. You know? Right. And we probably don't need any more. But, right, uh, <laughs> but you can't stop them. You, there's nothing no, they, you can no, say no, to stop no, them. Yeah. them. So, I, for me personally, well, you could say you suck. <laughs> you could just say you're not that good. You're never going to make it. Well, sometimes that's enough to kick somebody in the ass to to want to prove you wrong. I, you know, which I, is good. Thing. I have, I have, for me, because I sucked when I went to college. I didn't know anything. So for me, like some of my students, I don't know where they are. You know, maybe they're just starting. Right. And I might think they suck, but maybe it's just because they just started, really. Right. So I have now, to. Do what you, these young musicians, do you tell, teach them about drug use? 
and how to do it the right way if you're going to be a musician? Is, the only, that, is that part of the curriculum? The only, you know, the only thing I usually tell students about that is I teach them that they really have to hide it. Because okay. I don't want to know about it. Like because I've, I've had students that show up late, and they reek of pot, uh-huh. and I'm like, I don't care well, about the pot reek. I know, yeah, I know, but yeah, well, you yeah. can't smell like you can't really reek of heroin, I guess. Yeah, but you can see it in their eyes. Although it is, yeah, <laughs> but 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 what I what I tell <laughs> like if you're gonna be if you're gonna be late. Take a shit, you know, like. Well, that's, like, that's at least that's be slick. At least, at least, should like, actually at least give them an A plus for being late, because all musicians are late, right? <laughs> oh no, not the ones that keep their jobs. No, that's how you no. how you but lose see, your I, job but so I, With late. some of those, I'm like, at least like, if if you're gonna be late, if you well, if New you're Orleans do, is wait. late. Everyone I know in yeah. New Orleans but is always fucking late. If in this you're gonna town. do, if not you're gonna me. do a whole bunch of drugs, just don't make it apparent. Like, fool me, fool me. Yeah, exactly. Make me not know that you're. And and so like, don't come late. Know your music, right? If, yeah. If you do all that, I don't care what don't you do care. in your personal life. I, exactly. I don't want to tell people what to do. Right. Because yeah. I've done. You know, like I'm not saint, but so, but that's the only thing I've told them. You okay. Know? Well, that's good advice. That's that's good solid advice that you can use. You know, you got to be slick about this. You yeah. know, it's it's like something. So how I would many? Tell what's the percentage of failure for your students? How many kids do you <laughs> fail? Oh, did I actually fail? Yeah. I um. I don't like. Yeah, I mean, if you're I a good teacher, I actually have some old students here. I think if tonight. You, if you're a good teacher, <laughs> if you're a good teacher, nobody fails because you you, you bring like, them along. I don't you know, like ruin. Like, I don't like failing, but I, you know, I let Come them on. know that they're not happy. You know, it's not you're working. Not, but, yeah, it's not right. Working. Well, you try to motivate them. You know, yeah. it's either either you know uh, work harder or I give or out a lot of teachers. So. Really, yeah, I'm yeah. pretty hard. Yeah, pretty good, good. Yeah. So. All right. Okay. So, so you have a few combo classes there. You I teach, teach a lot. Some, I teach I have some a private bunch, like ten sax students, uh-huh. big band, combo. Now, one thing about Loyola, they've changed a lot since you were there because they have right. a, they have like a pop music. They teach like rap, so they're very open to popular music. And so for me, and music business, it's changed a lot. Like oh, yeah, I, I've yeah. met a whole bunch of people that have gone yeah. through there, and I think they have. They were maybe on the forefront of of the. You know, educating for for the current conditions. Yeah, and so there's a lot of schools that they just teach jazz or classical. But for me, like for instance, I mean, I've most a lot of my gigs. You know, I've done a lot of rock, funk, country, whatever, all kind of gigs. So right. I want my students to be able to do all of that. Right. So um, definitely not like just do jazz. So I think we just we still like you prepare them to be a professional musician do any kind of style right. for me i try to get them to get into all this different you know like because you not just because you can make money but you know some it's pop, cool pop, some pop music is pretty fucking great yeah country you know? music is great man yeah. yeah fucking merle haggard what yeah. you know what's not to like about that man yeah you know, i used to tour with clint black for a couple of years uh-huh how was that man oh it was kicked my ass yeah, that shit was hard. How big was that? The horn section. We had a three-piece horn section. So trumpet, tenor. Yeah, I don't know if you know Lee Thornburg. He's oh, from yeah, Louisiana. Yeah. I, mean, I don't played, know him, but I know he the toured name. with with Tower Power. He got me on the gig, nice. and they play these super fast, like bluegrass kind of things. Yeah, always in the key of like A or something. Uh huh. Right, oh, some sharp God. keys. <laughs> it, was, it was hard. You were playing tenor on that. I playing tenor, clarinet, and. F- Flute and soprano. I was playing a whole bunch of instruments. Wow, because yeah, you you play all the doubles. I was I was going to mention that too. Like you know, it's we we've had so many Barry baritone saxophone players on the uh, show. Yeah. Like guys who are really tenor players, but they play 
predominantly baritone, you well, know? We, so you I have play, a theory about baritone. Go baritone ahead, songs. go on. So let's hear it. I, believe, I have a theory because I've done a lot of sessions with like rock musicians. They want berry. I have a theory that it's impossible to be cheesy on a berry. Okay. And I've yet to be proven wrong on this. Uh, because, I dig it. Yeah, I mean, because you can be kind of cheesy on tenor. You can definitely be cheesy on out. Like the smaller the horn, easier to be cheesy. Sure. Soprano. <laughs> it's very. You can be kind of cheesy. Not to be. I don't, che- I don't know what it is about that. Maybe uh, I mean, you play bass. Maybe maybe you're tuned into this, but for some reason, baritone saxophone. It's impossible to be cheesy. It's got a cool sound. It it, yeah. it, it takes a, a certain amount of breath to put behind it. You got to slow down a little bit. You know, you can't like wiggle your fingers so easily. You know, it's the the horn can croak out on you if you don't have a deliberate and yeah. supportive approach to it. So it's and and it has a cool sound. It's 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 low and also kind of reedy and romantic at the same time you think of jerry mulligan you know classic uh barry tone you know yeah um yeah when actually when i was touring with clint um for a while we had a trumpet player bill churchville who's from louisiana also okay and he was touring with with uh tower and power and he told me he's like buy a barry and you'll, it'll pay itself off in a yeah. year and that's the best <laughs> advice I'd, i've ever gotten yeah because i've been playing Barry, it got me you know, a lot of gigs like Dr. John and a bunch of other right gigs. Nice, know, played Barry. Nice. And then, then you you actively play clarinet and flute as well. You know, like oh yeah, yeah, I love them. Which is a classic, uh, you know, double. Like in in the in the old days, my father's generation, everybody started on clarinet. That was the yeah. instrument that everybody like. If you were really good, you were a clarinet player, and you doubled on saxophone. Yeah. But well, then you had a, to play flute yeah, well, as as a third double. This know? is a good city to live in. To play double on clarinet because there's so much great music for clarinet. Right, right. And the clarinet, to, it's one of those instruments like violin that in in most people's hands it it's, it, it can sound very harsh. It's 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 a difficult instrument, but it has a beautiful tone if you can get that tone out of it, yeah. man. I'm more of the harsh. Okay, well, <laughs> no, no, no. I can just, sometimes just get a loud nice loud and cutting. I, I can sometimes get a nice sound out of it. But, so uh, at Loyola, how many Asian students do you have? Uh, Why are we back to man? I was just thinking about this. Uh, No, um, no, because Tulane has inundated with Asian Chinese students. Chinese, yeah, they're all. You know, my wife went to Tulane. She's Asian. Uh She's Filipino. Okay, well, Um, Tulane is accepting so many Chinese students. I don't have. We don't have any. I don't think we have any Chinese students. Okay, they're all going to Tulane, I guess. Yeah, they're going to Tulane Business. Well, so you know, Loyola is a a Jesuit institution. You know, I actually hung out with uh, uh, John John uh, Culberth. Oh yeah, who yeah. who's who's uh, is booked on this show? He's going to come up, uh, terrific trumpet player. Oh, he's great. Oh yeah, he's... one of our first. He might be our first trumpet player, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, but he went to Loyola, and he went there because he he was very religious as a child, and he came from a Jesuit school. Oh, and that's why. Yeah, so he oh, went wow. to he went to. He Loyola. was there when I was teaching. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah. Great guy, huh? Yeah, oh, yeah, he's great. Great yeah. trumpet player. Oh, that whole band is great. Yeah, naughty professor. Yeah, naughty you're professor. So, and those all were all former students. Yeah, those were all Loyola students. So, so Ian was a student of yours. Actually, well, he studied privately with Tony. Okay, but he was in one of my comps. Ian, my, what's my, uh, Ian? Ian Bowman. Wadley ba- Bowman. Oh, Ian Wadley. Wadzilla is a different. Yeah. Is a different uh, Ian. Uh, Ian okay. Bowman. Oh, Ian he's great. Bowman. Oh, yeah. 
incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah I played a, a gig with uh, John Groh. I played a, a a Mardi Gras. It was like a, a piano trio plus Ian. Oh, he's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even when he was there, I was like, that's the hard time. Teaching there, sometimes I have students that are really, really good. And I have to. Right. I, I can't let on that they're, I think they're better than me. Well, you know, that's <laughs> the cool thing when you see. So I, so I demean them. I tell them everything. They're terrible. <laughs> All the stuff they're bad at, just point that, that out. Well, it's like, like, like uh, we had we had Delphio Marcellus on, and he said, you know, he's talking about. It, he's like, yeah, you know, my pa, you know, he goes, he's not going to tell you you're good at something. He's going to point out the shit you need to work on, you know. Oh yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> that, yeah. That, that's Ellis that's, never told me anything nice. Right, and no, he's kind about it, but he, he, he he's not yeah. not a mean person. He's a very well, gentle and, and well, giving person. But he say, yeah, you know, this thing right here, you need to work on that. You know, it's like well, cool. Thank you. That's, that's so generous. That's man. one thing as a teacher, I, and I and I kind of preface it with my students. Like my job is to find something to make you better. So if I tell you something, if I just say it's good, I'm not really helping. How you does at that all. help? Yeah. So I I'm actually working to find, find a negative thing. Yeah, yeah. And with with encouragement or love, I'm, I'm going to tell you where you can get better. Otherwise, I'm wasting your time. Right. You know. So so some of my students, yeah, they definitely think I'm pretty hard, but. I hope that they realize that it's, you know, oh, the yeah. best of intentions. Oh, of course. Of course they do. Yeah. You're, you know, you're such a sweet guy. Man. How could anybody take it the wrong way? But I do, I do deal with the, the fact that there are way too many musicians in the world. So well, if, 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 so if any of them... Well, that's like, what I was about to say. Well, it, so, you every know, now you and tell then, your student, okay, you know what? You can play Decatur and uh, Orleans and uh, on the street. You can set up a bag there. <laughs> That's your career, kid. Well, you know. Usually, I make it hard enough for them. And if if they say, and usually most of my students, they'll say, "Well, I'm, I've thought about changing my major away from music." And never am I like, "Oh no." Yeah, you know, go, no, like, that's a good idea. Even even if that. they're good, even right, if they're right. good, I'm sure. like, yeah. good because if you, you know, have a, that thought, you should go with it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yes. Because yeah. a degree in music was really. Doesn't. Have you ever said to some of your students, my advice to you is to drink heavily? <laughs> no, that's... And call when, it a quits. When, 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 when they give you an, an adjunct professorship, Manny, that, that will be your yeah. role. Yeah, well, I'm well, never... Maybe, maybe you could put a good word in I for should Manny. St- I should do that, because I'm not full-time yet, so while I'm still adjunct, I could probably get away with that. Yeah, I'll just say, <laughs> you suck. You no. suck. Well, I no. actually, when I was an undergrad, I had there was a trumpet teacher that one time, the trumpet student did his his uh, jury you know at the uh-huh. end of the year they had jury, and the trumpet teacher went up and sprayed um Silly aerosol, oh. sprayed uh, body cleaner? spray or whatever oh. on him and said you stink oh, at his is. jury at his jury Gee, well. that was hardcore <laughs> yeah. 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 what that guy was on Holy and, and we he did kind of suck but oh, it was probably geez. it's probably the and then in hindsight i mean at the time it was like well that was really harsh in hindsight, it's probably Might have been doing him a favor. Probably so. Right. Yeah. Well, you know, we're we're, we're, we're on the downslope of the podcast. Oh, this is going on. But touched. I have to but I have to mention that uh, you are only the second guest on the podcast who has been a character on The Simpsons. Ah, yes. It's a it's a great wow. achievement. Yes. I did not know that. It's yes. a great achievement. I saw the photograph of, of you as sitting next to Lisa. You're within the camera frame of Actually, Lisa Simpson. Go on, talk about it. Well, the recording they used for that and, um, was the fir- from the first record of the Nightcrawlers. And um, I had just joined the band. Mm-hmm. And it was a song called... Uh, if, if, um, 
I can't remember the name off the top of my head. Anyway, yeah. it was an old gospel tune. And um, I played a clarinet solo on it. Uh-huh. And I was not a very good clarinet player. And it was ter- it's a terrible. So- to me, it's awful. It's awful. <laughs> it's, it's the worst. And it's embarrassing. In fact, I can't believe I took a solo on it. In fact, Matt Perrine told me, he's like, yeah, I can't believe you did that, actually. Wow, he, and, he reinforced uh, your, I'm in. I mean, no, 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 I'm serious. It was terrible. <laughs> and, and so that's, that's the track they use. And at the, end, at the end, it has the melody. And at the end, it kind of fades away. And you can hear the beginnings of my solo, which is like this out of tune, like, you know, kind of solo. <laughs> and as they fade out, and I was like, you never know. You just never know what what so is going to get used. Lisa my most embarrassing. She was well, she's playing baritone the saxophone. The they had a baritone yeah. saxophone. It's the band. She's kind of sitting in with yeah. okay. his band, so the, the, the band. New Orleans Nightcrawlers. In, in, okay. in the in the yeah. I haven't watched Simpsons in the episode. Like they show me years. playing saxophone, but in the uh, recording that they're using, you're I'm playing, playing clarinet, clarinet. But they have another character playing clarinet. Okay. Uh, and, okay. and it's one of my most embarrassing things I've ever recorded. I can't stand a, it. It brings but me one tears. Of your, one of your proudest moments. As yeah. a, you still getting yeah. paid for it, man? You get seen any residuals from that? Uh, I have we got paid. Well, you know, yeah. I tell you what. It's always about money, man. Um, well, why not? I yeah. don't know. I got resi- You know, I got residuals I mean, for. Uh, so, you know, you'll, you'll on your deathbed, you'll say I was in the Simpsons. Yeah, that money had been spent so long ago. I got some residual residuals for a movie, um, Green Book. That I oh, was yeah, in. Yeah, and, oh. and that was probably 10 times better than any kind of royalties from recordings. I'm like, I'm in the wrong business. Right. Yeah. Right, right. I'm still I'm getting just residuals getting... from uh, that Disney movie I made. What were right you in? Be... What Disney movie oh, were you in? Uh, fuck that basketball stuff. Oh, that was a really good movie, too. Yeah. yeah that's Which a one? good one. I'm gonna, I'm oh, oh, man. He has Glory a great... Road. Glory, Glory Road. Road. Yeah. Glory Road. Okay. Manny... I played a cafeteria server who's Hispanic, and I'm dealing with a black kid from the Bronx. He wants a hot dog. I said, all I got is burritos. I go, burrito? He says, hot dog. I said, taco? He says, hot dog. I say, nacho? He says, hot dog. And that's the scene. I'm still making money. You're still money. making money no, off Yeah. That. You Jeez. stole the scene, Manny. In, I did. In, yeah, in, yeah. In all, in all uh, honesty, Manny. Yeah. Manny and that, I think they actually used that in the, tr- in the trailer for the movie. Yeah, they did. <laughs> they did use it <laughs> in the trailer. So did they because, give you a higher royalty for that? Uh, I don't know about that. I don't know. But I, I remember. You, I, I think you actually say hot doggo. <laughs> I, say, I say hot doggo. But I remember, I remember the trailer came out. It was right out. I filmed it right before Katrina. The film came out a oh, year after. recent. Yeah, yeah. And, and I remember all my cousins and my aunts and uncles in L.A. were in the, sitting in a the movie theater, you know, <laughs> getting ready to watch, you know, Star Wars, and the trailer for Glory Road comes out, and they go... Hey, there's Manny. <laughs> I, I got inundated with phone calls from my family in L.A. It's a classic scene. He's got a hairnet on. Yeah, He's got there a hairnet on the glass. It's, it's great. 15 minutes of work, $1,400. Nice. And you're still getting you're still paid. Getting I'm money. still getting paid from it. And counting, 1400 uh, and yeah. counting. The Green Book yeah. thing I did, I, I didn't even yeah. play. I just pretended to play. Right. Well, that's it. Yeah. Oh my yeah, God! I got, you'll I got get like, money. You'll get money. And I was like, I'm in the wrong business. Yeah. Well. Although you know, I would never make it as an actor. No, it's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard. You know, playing music is hard. I could see you in the Sam Kinison biography. 
Really? <laughs> you know what? Oh my god! Wait, wait. I think someone has told me that I sound like Sam Kennison. Oh, maybe my yeah. voice. I, I, you well, know, you know, I'm we're little... going very long. But do you have oh, a Tony sorry. Clifton? Uh, oh god! Uh, no, I have no Tony Clifton stories because okay. I never got to meet Tony. Sorry. Okay, because I, I think maybe after we had uh, Craig Klein on, you might have contacted me and said, uh, you "Oh, I have, I have worse gig. Oh, of gigs, oh gigs that make you question your." No, no, the Tony Clifton, you know, the, anyway, well, I'll cut all this out. Andy <laughs> well, Kaufman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, were, oh, we were ending so we nicely. We were talking. Oh, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, we are in the I was talking about my gig with Chris Owens. Oh, oh, okay, well, <laughs> now you said the magic words. Go ahead, we'll okay. go along Easter's with coming up, so do it. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just gave, actually, this is gig led to my gig with, with, um, with uh, the country guy, uh, Clint Black. Clint Black. Yeah. Actually, just to stop you, Uganda Roberts started with Chris Owens. Now you talk. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. So he, I, he was he was uh, <laughs> Bongo Joe, and now you talk. I, I I got called to do this gig at Jazz Fest with Chris Owens. She had a whole Cuban rhythm section, and we had a rehearsal at her club. And I remember walking to this club, and I'm like, "What the hell did I get myself into?" She had three beefcake guys trying to do choreography. Like <laughs> bumping into each other. <laughs> she had to tie their shoes. I'll be like, I'm like, oh my god, what what did I get myself into? And we, we did this rehearsal. And we did the macarena. Remember the macarena? Sure, this the macarena. Was, yeah. and I had to do. I had to wear the stupid hat. And oh, at the wow. at the moment, at that time, I remember there's gigs. There's gigs you you do. You know. For the music, you do the, for the money, and there's gigs you have to wear a hat on. There was a whole other category <laughs> of gig, and we a played a jazz fest. Oh my god! You didn't have to was, dance though. You oh, didn't it have was, to dance. And, and or she, dick. she was, yeah. she was yeah, really sweet. You know, she was, you know, she's still alive. Oh yeah. So oh, I can't no. really oh, say. Yeah, no. I really. She, she played jazz fest. They she, she, she has become one of those kind of uh, sticky acts that that uh, like draws. Harry Grombacher plays jazz fest. Well, I don't know. <laughs> At the time, I don't know if she was a hundred or fifty percent human. At the time, because she had a lot of silicone and things. Well, sure, you know that's. Uh, but she was, she was amazing. So, because she used to be a really great. Dancer, like I mean, she, she still is a great dancer. I mean, she was a salsa dancer. Okay, okay. She's got long she had legs. She's she had, had, had a club forever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we did the gig, and um, the trumpet player on the gig was Lee Thornburg. Oh, okay. He just happened to be in town, and then I think I was a good sport on that. And he's like, uh-huh. "Hey, let me get Jason, <laughs> let me get Jason, young Jason, on this young gig. kid on this." Like, to, <laughs> but but I was honored to play with 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 Chris Owens. She she was. Yeah, man. I'll never forget that. Gig, but there's <laughs> only one Chris Owens too, just like uh, Sam Buteri. You know, once she's gone, that's, that's they're probably the same generation. Well, well they might be. <laughs> anyway, God, Jason, this has been so fun, man. I'm so glad we're getting to do these in person again. I'm glad you were here for it. I'm glad we're here in uh, Snake and Jake's Christmas Club Lounge. Unfortunately, uh, our patron uh, Dave Clements didn't show up. I talked to him uh. this afternoon. He said he might. But you know, Dave is a is a mercurial character. He's actually passed out in the gutter. Okay, right well, he, he, he was so close, so close. Yeah, he, so, uh, I almost so ran him over. I right, right, so over. close to making it in. Anyway, maybe next next episode. But uh, Manny, uh, great seeing you. Thank you. Uh, and uh, as always in the Trouble Nation, we like to say trouble never ends. Uh, but the struggle continues, man. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night.